0: Welcome to First Line. my name is Aubrey Ann Jackson and I'm a recently graduated physician starting my PGY1 year as a psychiatry resident this summer. In this podcast, we discuss whole person health and wellness through an osteopathic lens, holistically addressing the body, mind, and spirit. We also discuss topics important to medical trainees, including pre-med students, medical students, and residents. Thanks for joining me. If you are applying to residency programs this cycle or a future cycle, I encourage you to go back to listen to some of my episodes on the topic of applying to residency programs. I have one episode about what to consider when choosing where to apply for residency, another episode on how to use sites like Residency Explorer and Frida to help with finding residency programs and then also an episode on how to use match data during the residency app season to help you gauge how competitive you are, how many programs to apply to, and which programs to apply to. So this episode I want to add a little little bit more on things that i have since thought about that i wanted to include in this series of episodes and then i'll go into how i chose to organize my residency program list and what i included in the excel sheet that i used myself so if you're new i just matched a few months ago to an excellent uh, academic psychiatry program in an ideal location uh, near my family, so I consider myself to have had a successful residency application cycle. I was able to get enough interviews that I started turning down other interviews, so that's why I am choosing to share some some of my insights with you all. So th- the first thing that I wanted to bring attention to is another tool that i didn't mention in in my episode about frida and about residency explorer there's also something called residency navigator and this is through doximity so when you go to this site you can first select your specialty and then it will give you a list of programs and i don't think it's the like a lot of these sites, I don't think it's the most up-to-date list. You're going to find the most up-to-date list on the ACGME website. But it includes, for psychiatry, it says that has 288 results, which is right around what I would have expected to see. So this is useful because unlike any of the other residency search tools, you can search by reputation. And there's a lot of controversy about how accurate this is, and I've definitely seen ranking orders that didn't really look right. Specific programs that just seemed out of order, whether they were too highly ranked or too low in the rankings. When you are on Residency Navigator, you can open a PDF that shows their methodology. And the methodology is pretty similar to what US News uses for their medical school ranking. So they do use objective data with research output. So those programs that do a lot of research are going to be ranked higher. But they they also use other metrics too, like they use resident satisfaction surveys, they survey board-certified physicians and ask them about the reputation of institutions within the field. They look at the percentile of where the program ranks with alumni publications, with alumni clinical trial participation, and then they also look at satisfaction ratings and reviews from verified physician members on Doximity. So there's, there's a few metrics and you can argue if These are the right metrics to use, but the list is a pretty good way to gauge what programs are going to be super competitive and which programs are towards the bottom of the list that you might want to include as your safety. So it could help when you're looking at a given specialty to split the list into thirds, but just be careful with this because once you scroll down enough on the list, the programs will start to appear in alphabetical order. And that just means that all of those schools are unranked. So then they're just going to appear in alphabetical order and there's actually no order to them after that. So, you know, for psychiatry, it's exactly what you would expect. The first ranked program is uh, Massachusetts General, which is Affiliated with Harvard. Second is New York Presbyterian, that's affiliated with Columbia. Third is Yale. Fourth is UCLA. It goes on and on. You can also search just by research output. And when I do this, it doesn't really change the order much of those top programs because those programs are ranked highly be- likely because of their research output. You can sort by the size of the program, how many residents they have. This might be applicable to some specialties. You can sort by the percent of residents who choose to subspecialize. But I don't know how accurate that might be uh, because it's all self-reported data. And then you can, in addition to sorting, you can also filter by state, by region, and then the, the training environment, so urban versus rural, and then... If you click on a specific program it gives you pretty pretty similar information with with other sites like where the program is located a link to the program website which can help when you're making your spreadsheet who the program director is and because it's through doximity a lot of times you can click on the program director's name and it brings you to their doximity profile which is really nice the email for the program coordinator, the program website, and then what I find to be super helpful on this site is the ratings and reviews. So, because it's through Doximity, it's always verified. It will let you know if it's a current resident or an alumni, though the the review and rating itself is anonymous. It will have a confirmed status of coming from a current resident or an alumni. So it allows those current residents or alumni to give ratings on overall satisfaction, ratings on career guidance, clinical diversity, work hours, and culture. And then it allows them to write a free response of whatever they want to talk about. And some programs have... Dozens of reviews, and other programs don't have any, or might only have one or two. I wouldn't hold a low rating against a program necessarily, um, especially if all of the negative ratings came from alumni and not current residents, because programs can adapt and respond to feedback. And another important thing that I found to be helpful is uh, there's, like, a graphic of where you'll spend your time. So, for all the program years, there's a graphic that shows the different hospital locations where residents, uh, spend their time. Uh, so this helps with, like I said in other episodes, figuring out if you have to travel a lot or if everything kind of occurs at, a singular hospital then you have to balance well do i do i want the diversity of having experiences at different hospitals with the inconvenience of having to drive to probably a further away location based off of where you live so it looks like for my program it may be a little bit outdated just looking at the year 1 locations, but I think for most programs this will be a good indicator of where residents are, are rotating. Also tells you if the institution has an accredited fellowship program within the specialty that you're looking at, which can be helpful if you want to raise your chances of matching into a fellowship program, it helps to have a home program already there this is helpful too. There's ratings for the location, whether that's a town or a city, of where the program is located at their core site. So it gives it an overall grade. It rates the public schools, if that's an important thing to you, the commute, whether it's good for families, cost of living, housing, health and fitness, jobs, which can be helpful if you have a spouse who's gonna be looking for a job and then the weather. It's good to at least look at like what is the downside of living in this area. This is data taken from the site niche. It also tells you the median home value and compares it to the national, the national median and then the same with rent. And then lastly on the right hand side of these profiles it says like how many positions they take for first-year positions, what their percentile is for alumni publications, their percentile for alumni clinical trials, and then also when the program was founded. So, Residency Navigator is another site that I would highly recommend. I am now providing personalized assistance specifically to medical students. I can help with editing your CV for away rotations or other opportunities. I can aid in revisions for your personal statement. And when the time comes, I can help you edit your ERAS application. I will catch your grammar and style mistakes and also provide feedback on content revision so you can craft documents that make you more competitive. There are so many expensive services out there that charge hundreds to thousands of dollars on reviews, which is why I am offering a much more affordable service with different price packages based on your needs. I am uniquely positioned to help you as someone who has been through this process myself in the last year or two, and as someone with professional writing and editing experience. In addition to listening to my past episodes with tips on navigating applications, use the link in this episode description to learn more about the services I offer for individualized help. So when you're thinking about choosing residency programs, I talked about this in another episode, but just think about your personal goals. Where do you actually see yourself in 10 years? Think about what your actual goals are. Really reflect on it and think about what kind of program would fit that picture. And you can apply more broadly than that, but it helps to have not only the list of programs that you're applying to, but also a shorter list of programs that you really want to go to and that you would prioritize interviewing at those programs other over others. Another resource that you should definitely be using is the residency programs websites. So what you want to look for on these websites is you should this is usually either on the homepage or in some form, a letter from the program director on the website. And that's usually where you're going to find a mission statement of some sort, and you can glean a little bit about the values of the program. And this is going to be helpful for personalizing your personal statements for those top programs that you've chosen. It's also going to be helpful with figuring out which programs belong on that, on your short list. And it helps with preparing for the interview for that program. So this should absolutely be something that you're keeping track of, looking for keywords. A lot of times within a certain specialty, you'll find similar keywords. And then those, those keywords are really what you want to focus on with your personal statement, with filling out your meaningful experiences and then also with interviews. Another important tab that you'll likely find on most residency websites is the list of current residents. So you can use this to look at diversity. Diversity in the way of racial and ethnic diversity, gender diversity, and then MD and DO diversity if that's important to you. You can also do the same thing with their list of faculty members. This episode of First Line is sponsored by TrueLearn. TrueLearn is an exam prep company best known for their smart banks that turn your weak areas into your strengths. I decided to partner with TrueLearn because it is the only company I trusted for preparation for Comlex Level 1 and Level 2. Each TrueLearn SmartBank practice question has detailed answer explanations and succinct bottom lines to get the big learning takeaway. For my listeners taking the USMLE, TrueLearn also has an amazing USMLE SmartBank. If you are in your third year, TrueLearn also offers SmartBanks for shelf exams and Comat shelf exams. Special discount codes can be found in the episode description. I have my spreadsheet pulled up from all of my residency research and I wanted to talk about the different columns that I made. So the first column is the program name and I had 80 psychiatry programs that I applied to and that was actually pretty close to the average of programs that osteopathic medical student applicants applied to during my cycle. So how many you're going to apply to, it's always safe to do the average. I would consider myself an above average applicant based off of like my board scores and my grades and everything, but I still did the average number of programs um, because I was applying to the Northeast region, which tends to be the most competitive region, um, maybe with the exception of California. So there's a few things to take into consideration. It really helps to have an advisor or a mentor or to pay someone for professional consultation services to figure out how many programs that you should apply to because it's really going to vary a lot um, based off of your individual circumstances, if you have red flags, things like that. And then it's another thing entirely if, if you need to dual apply. So, the next column I have is location. So, this was just to um, keep track of, of where things were to kind of think about how close it is to family members. I applied to almost every program from Maine down to Pennsylvania, which did not include all of the programs in New York City because I didn't necessarily want to be in New York City. And if I was going to go to New York City, I would want it to be one of the better programs. So I was kind of picky about that. And then I did a few in Ohio, a few in West Virginia, and I think I went down to as far south as D.C. essentially. So I included that whole general area and that basically took me to 80 for psychiatry. going to differ with your specialty if your specialty doesn't have as many programs in the country you're going to have to have a broader geographical distribution if you're applying to internal medicine you can really narrow it down to a few states and apply to enough programs just in a few states the next column i have is how many slots are available so how many residents they take each year and this is something you can find on the website or you can find on Residency Explorer or Frida. It might change year to year, so make sure you find the most updated number. And this is good to know because you know if they have more slots, it increases your chances of matching there typically. But a lot of that academic programs are going to be the biggest programs. But it also helps with call schedule. So if you know that there's going to be someone that needs to be on call every night and there's 14 residents, then you're probably going to have call every two weeks. Whereas if if there's four residents, that's every four days that that you're going to be on call. And sometimes they might double up residents, they might have two residents on call at a time, so you'll just have to do the math with that. But typically, there's more residents, there's more sharing of the call. But if a program doesn't have call or really has a light call then it won't matter as much but it was just something that I I wanted to track there's also preferences of if you want if you want a smaller program if you want more of that like one-on-one mentorship versus if you want a bigger program like more opportunities to have different interest groups and more collaboration on research things like that so there's a lot to take into consideration with that then I had a column that I added later on which was the status of my application which is super helpful. So I put in if they invited me for an interview and I put the date in. And I also included if I sent a letter of interest to the program, um if I was waitlisted, if they clearly say on their website not to send a letter of interest, I made a note of that too. Then I had a column of how many DO residents they have which uh, might be helpful if you are a DO student. If the number is zero, then your likelihood of getting an interview is a lot lower. You definitely want to include a lot of programs that do not have a zero for this column, um, because if you only include the ones with a zero, you may not get enough interviews. That being said, I, I would say over half of the programs that I got an interview at did not have any DOs as residents. So, you know, it's not the most important factor, but it certainly affects your um, chances of matching as well. And then I had a column with DO faculty, um, which most of these numbers were also zero. I also took a note of if the program director was a DO or the associate program director was a DO. That made me prioritize those programs a little bit more like i would want to interview at those programs um just to have mentors that were also osteopathic physicians i had a column for step one step two level one and level two so i took all of those exams and all of them were numerical scores so i used websites like frida and residency explorer that allow you to put in your your scores and when you're searching programs it will tell you if you're like in the middle 50% of their step one scores if you're in the upper 25% things like that so I just put in my status for this or it might give me like what the average range typically is um like a 226 to a 235 for step one and I color coded it so it was green if I was above their average, it was yellow if if I was in the upper 25% and then I labeled it orange if I was in the middle 50%, which means I'm kind of just on par with it. And this really helped me to kind of decide which programs were safety, fit and reach for me and it's always good to have a combination, a one-third, one-third, one-third split of all of those to just make sure that you know, you're know you giving yourself an opportunity to match at the best program, but you you also have a good chance of matching in general because you have enough of those safety schools or those safety programs. Then I had a column for the salary each year. I had a column for the hours per week, roughly i had a column for how far away it is from the closest family member including my parents and my in-laws and then i had a column for ranking on doximity if you are looking at academic programs if you really do want that academic career you can always look at where the med school is ranked um on like u.s news that can be a rough indication to it, especially since it does factor in how much like funding for research they're being given and just how much resources they have. So if academics is the career path for you, then maybe you do want to look a little bit at those rankings. If you're not looking to go into academics, if you're looking to go into private practice or just working for a hospital after you finish residency, then don't even look at rankings at all. For me, I am interested in teaching, Um, so I did look at rankings a little bit, but I definitely looked at other factors too. I didn't just have my rank list in order of prestige at all. So the next column I have is the type. So I put in if it is a university teaching hospital, if it's affiliated with a university teaching hospital, if it's mixed, or if it's a community hospital. Then I included a column of fellowships. So for me, it was psychiatry fellowships. So I put in which fellowships they had in-house there. When I was writing this, I wasn't wasn't really narrowed down with which fellowship I wanted to go into, but I kind of just used this as, as a way that I can be like, oh, if I go to this program, these fellowships are available to me and that could just be a small factor in my decisions. Then I had a few other columns of like personal notes, just things I've heard about the program, um, things that are unique about the program. If they're on probation status, I included there too, um, which you can find on the ACGMA website. I had a column for any connections with uh, faculty members or residents that are currently at the program. I was involved in a few national organizations that I got to meet some residents and some faculty members um, during my third year, so I just included that that there. Or anyone that I talked to at like open houses, things like that, I just included connections and just so I like know who to reach out to, to like follow up about my interest in the program. Then I had a column that said how many letters of recommendation the program needs. And this was really helpful when it actually came to applying on eGRAS because some programs are very clear that they only want two letters of recommendation. Typically programs are going to say like three to four. Um, So then it's really up to you if you want to put in the three or the four. And some programs will say three letters of recommendation, so you shouldn't give them a fourth one. So I just kept note of this so that I could assign my letters of recommendation specifically for each program instead of just sending three to every program because some programs ask for something different. I actually had enough letters of recommendation that I could rotate them. So I had five letters for psychiatry. So so I was able to choose the three out of the five to apply to most programs. And so I also had a column that said which letters were going to go to that program, which made it really simple for Egress. And I would choose this based off of if the program is more likely to like recognize the name of my letter writer, or if the letters recommendation specifically ask for a certain number of letters in psychiatry and a certain number outside of psychiatry, then I made sure that I fit what they were asking. Then my last column was the website link um, so that I could easily go to the website and find additional information. So that is how I decided where to apply to. I had more than 80 programs, Um, And then once I started filling in the spreadsheet, then I decided which ones to take off based off of the information that I was getting, whether that was, you know, the location was a little bit far away from family or they, you know, they didn't have any fellowship opportunities and it was a community hospital, whereas I want more of an academic affiliated institution. So I could kind of use that spreadsheet to cut down to the 80 programs that I wanted to apply to Uh, I hope this was helpful um, for going through this process I'm going to have a few more episodes about applying to residency because it is that that time of year as I'm recording this for this year's third years and rising fourth year students to really start thinking about these things and get to work on it But um, I also just wanted to get a lot of episodes out about this when it's still fresh in my mind after just having gone through it uh, within the last year. But hoping if you listen to this a few years down the line that it's still pretty relevant, which I think it will be because work-life balance is always going to be important. Location is always going to be important. Making sure that a program is in a workhorse program is going to be important as well. So thanks for listening and looking forward to speaking more about these topics. You can follow Firstline on Instagram at Firstline Podcast or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Firstline Podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode every Monday.